Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. Um, well, it's a funny one this week because um, me and producer Griff were all set to be making the seven-hour round trip to Grimsby um, to interview this week's guest and have a cup of tea with him. But last night the stars aligned and he came to meet us and now we're all sat in uh, a little room in London. Um, so I'm really pleased to say that this week we're joined by Thomas Turgus. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How are you, mate? You all right? Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, mate. No, it's brilliant. Um, Just to clear up a myth, I don't don't tend to talk about jobs that much, but I've heard lots of different stories about your audition process for This Is England. Mm -hmm. After this, I want to go right back, but I just want to clear this up uh, straight away. So what were you doing at the time? Because you weren't... You weren't acting at the time, really. No. Um, well, when I was thirteen, because I was I was brought up in Grimsby, um, and it's not the sort of it's a rough town, and I was in, I was in a rough area of a rough town, um, you know, knocking around with not necessarily the wrong people because a lot of them are still my friends, but we was getting up to the wrong sort of things, um, and I was never in school, and there was this amazing centre called the Space Project. Um, which was funded by the schools. Um, so I went there sort of three days a week instead of school. Um, and it was brilliant. I, I used to go there a lot, and the the, the workers, um, all of them was amazing. They used to help me outside of that. You know, they'd take my mum shopping when she wasn't very well, and they'd come around and make sure my family was okay. And, you know, they were just the most beautiful people you'll ever meet. Um, and at the Space Project? At the Space Project. Were you... Um were you doing your schoolwork, or were you, what were you doing? No, there? it was it was a weird thing. Um, I, it was quite bizarre to get my head around. I mean, they'd just take us paintballing, go karting, like high mountain climbing, like rock abseiling, and all like just adventures and just giving you like lifestyle skills, um, like you know, not the skills, but sort of taking you out and just I don't know, there was just. Just treating you like an adult and not treating you like a snotty-nosed kid that, you know, misbehaved kids in school get trapped like. Yeah. I always remember when I was at school, I never really... There was only sort of one teacher or two teachers that trapped me with respect. And they're the only two teachers that I trapped with respect. Yeah, because of course. Because the rest of them... is because I was troubled. You know, I was a lot of trouble at home. So, I, you know, them troubles come to school with me. And there was only, say, two teachers who sort of understood that and... If I was in, in class and I was having a bit of an episode or I was kicking off, they'd just, you know, like, look at me like I was a piece of shit and 
they, they won't ever give me the time. They'd just be like, right, two weeks detention, off you go. Whereas these two teachers would come up to me and they'd be like, right, Tomo, come on, mate. What's up? They take me in the office to give me a cup of tea. And that's when they're the sort of teachers that I look up to. And I see one of them in the pub the other day and, you know, it brought him a pint because I, I had a lot of respect for him at school because he had respect for me. Yeah, and also which, you didn't probably didn't feel patronised by Not at all. Him. No, he didn't speak to me like I was an idiot. Yeah. Um, which is what this, the, the space, um, space project was so good at. They treat you like a human being um, and they treat you with respect. So there was very, very little... Uh, you didn't argue with the staff at Space Project. There was never any arguments or... If they asked you to do something nine and ten times, you'd do it because you know how much they do for you and they respect you and, yeah. So it, was that relationship more... Less teacher-student and more like you're all mates? Yeah, like, there was all, like, family. There was all, like, aunties and uncles who worked there. Um, and, yeah, it, it was just... You, you just got treated with respect. You got treated like a human... Um, and yeah, you know, I still stay in touch with them now. Um, and that's and I, all funded and, by the council. Well, now it's sort of closed down now. The space project had that. No. The roof collapsed during the winter a couple of years ago, and there was just not no money to to fund it. So it moved next door to the Shalom Youth Club. Um, and I'll always try and do things. You know, I try and donate money when I can, just to try and help them out. Um, you, you know, it, I, I, I remember I did a voiceover for something that, that fell through. Whatever. Um, and the money that I earned from that didn't feel right to take, so I donated straight that all of that straight to the space project um, because they did so much for me. And that money, you know, I didn't feel like I earned it, so I give it to them, and it helped them out. You know, it probably put them through funding for a couple of months, which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, Just while we're on this road, Tom, can I go back and can I talk about school? Mm. Um, so you obviously found was school always a difficult, for want of a better word, playground for you. School was, I don't know, school was a weird thing. Because um, I was always the class clown. Um, and I, I always got carried away. I, I remember, I think I was only in secondary school. Because when, when I was younger, I was in this thing called Phoenix House, which is sort of the naughty boy school of the town. Right. Um, where the doors are locked. And, you know, it's sort of, it, it, it was, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was, it was, it was a bit weird. It felt like a prisoner all day. Um, and I, it, th that made me worse because, again, you just get treated like you, you're scum. It's just like, well, if you're treating me like I'm scum, I'm just going to do exactly the same. So and you I rebelled? I quite, yeah, I was quite wise from a young age. And I, and I was always brought up with, I'll treat you how you treat me. And that's how it was always always be from, from as young as I can remember. Um, and the space project was sort of like, yeah, I just spoke to you like shit, so I spoke to them like shit. Um, and just didn't really enjoy it. And then I, I remember I went into secondary school and it was a big thing for me because I'd never been in proper school from a young age. And then going up to year seven to, to primary, uh, to secondary school, this was, I'm in normal school now, this is it. And then I think I was there for like three weeks before I got put in isolation and I got put in a thing called the red unit. What was, was the, what was that? The red unit was separated from all the other kids in school. Because of disruptive behaviour? Because behaviour. Um, and I was there from year seven until... Year nine, end of year nine. So I only had really had two years of proper school, um, secondary school, um, and just being secluded from all that, from, from all the no other kids, made me think, well, bollocks to you then. I'm not, I'm not going to put any effort into you if you're not putting any effort into me, because from sort of when I moved into, I remember when I was in year, God, I would have been year nine, maybe year eight, year nine. 
when I lived with my mum and my mum passed away um, and I moved in with my dad and my dad lived a totally different lifestyle. My mum was single, we lived in a really rough estate, she, she couldn't work, she was poorly. She did her best for us, um, you know, she, she always did her best. Um, but then on the other side of town lived my dad who, he worked really hard, he worked away, um, he travelled the world earning good money, he had a nice house, he had a nice car. And I remember when when I when my mum passed away, I had no choice but to go live with my dad. What year was this, Tommy? This was at the end of two thousand and five. Right. Um, so December two thousand and five, my mum passed away, um, and I had no choice but to go live with my dad. And it was so I knew my dad. I knew you know I knew he was there, but never really spoke to him that much. Um, and I remember my stepmom come and pick me up from the hospital when my mum passed away. It was at about seven in the morning. Um, and again, my from my mum selfishly fed it into me that you don't need your dad, you don't need your stepmom, you know, you don't need all that. Selfishly, now growing up, I realised that, and it was never my dad's fault. Why we never really see much of each other? It was sort of my mum that, you know, again selfishly, sort of fed it into me that he was he was the bastard of of the family, but he wasn't. Um, How did you feel about that after, when you found out that that wasn't particularly true? Well, it sort of just happened over. A, uh, sorry, it sort of just happened over a, a course of time, really. Because I moved in, and I remember I cut, my stepmom picked me up in this big BMW, and we drove down to the nice part of town, and we pulled up on a drive and went in this nice house. Pulled up on a drive and went into this nice house, and I was like, "Canal, this isn't this isn't me," you know. And I remember I sat in my bedroom for about two, three weeks, just with an iPod on, and didn't didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to do anything. And obviously, I was just young age, lost my mum, lost my best mate. Um, yeah, and I remember just sitting in my bedroom and not really knowing what to do. Um, and I know Shane Meadows and Stephen Graham and Andrew Shim, they they travelled up and down to Grimsby a lot over these, these sort of couple of weeks, spent a lot of time with me, because Shane and Stephen was considering adopting me. Um, because my mum, again, on set when we was filming This Is England, sort of only really bad-mouthed my dad, seeing he's not really there. So Shane and Stephen had this idea of my dad being this sort of drunk, whatever, do, of course. You know, never really there. So Shane and Stephen wanted to make sure that my dad was right, that, that, you know, sorry. It's all right, mate, don't Make worry. sure that my dad was, you know, not this asshole. Yeah. Because so, um, they were obviously very protective. Very protective. Um, and there was, I say, there was this close to adopting me and I'd have moved on to either Nottingham or Leicester with Stephen, but... You know, they met my dad, and my dad is genuinely, you know, one of the nicest blokes you, you'll ever meet. And now, me and my dad are like best mates. You know, we, we go on holiday together. One lad's holidays, he comes away with me and my mates. You know, away days at football, and yeah, it was it was it was a weird thing because um, my dad would say he was a lot better brought up. He was quite, um, he was quite, he, he, you know, he's always had a lot of. A respect. I don't know. If you met me, Dad, you know exactly what I mean. You know, he was sort of someone you look up to. And again, with my stepmom, who was amazing. Who they, you know, they was married when I moved in. And straight away, the first things they did was get me back into school. So I remember at the end of year nine, so I had year ten and eleven, just doing my GCSEs. Um, I went back to school, and it was the best thing that I ever did. And I remember, like you know, I was knocking around with proper kids who wasn't interested in smashing windows and who wasn't interested in doing all the, you know, all the things so that I shouldn't be doing. Was this a different school that you Same went school, Same school, just in a different unit. So what had, what gave you 
the motivation and the focus to go back? Do you think it was the support from your dad and your stepmom? I think my mum passing away had a massive impact on my life because I I sort of I treated my mum like shit. I didn't I didn't respect my mum like I should have done, and you know her passing away was sort of a wake up call like fucking hell. You know, you speak to people like shit, but you never know whether that's, you know, if you argue, if you, like I always say, never go to bed on an argument because you never know if you're going to wake up in the morning, you never know whether it's going to be, you know, you're not, yeah. not going to get the chance to apologise for the things that you say and the things that you do in life. And, you know, the things I said and did to my mum now is one of the biggest regrets of my life. Um, and now I see my friends and sometimes they'll talk to their mums like shit. And I just say, like, you shouldn't do that because you never know what's going to happen, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So you're back to school, you've got a back new focus. Yeah. and you're you, So you're knuckling down for your GCSEs. Yeah. And, I, and now, even now, I just want to make my mum proud. I just don't want her to always think that I was going to be that little shit for the rest of my life, getting in trouble with the police. And I know a lot of that to my dad. Um, I know a lot of it to my stepmom and my friends and... You know, and that's sort of my main focus now is growing up and not being the little shit that I used to be um, and treating people with respect and, you know, grasping the, the opportunity that Shane Meadows has given me. So yeah. when did the, the drama uh, thing start to bubble in you? Because you, weren't, you obviously weren't doing anything like that at the Space Project. It was all, was it quite sort of outdoor activities and lots of... The drama is in... You sort of trying to get into the acting. When did that? Well, I I never acting was literally something that I'd never ever ever thought about until the day that I met Des Hamilton. Um, and where was that? Tell me. That about was that. at the Space Project. Oh, so that I, was at the Space. At so the space he came project, to yeah, you so at the Space Project because he was looking for, for a young a kid, kid. who'd never acted. Um, and I remember I walked around the corner one day, um, and I saw this big like group of people outside, and I thought, well, you know, what's going on? Thought maybe there was a fight or something, so I went running over, seeing what was going on. Um, and Des Hamilton, uh, it was actually Al Mackay, um, who was Des's assistant and my chaperone on the film. Um, and Al Mackay said, "Oh, we're auditioning for this film." And I was like, oh, "Bollocks! There's no, I'm not auditioning for a film." Um, and he said, "Do you want to do it?" And I went, mm, "Not really." He said, "It's never gonna. You're not gonna make a film from someone from Grimsby, are you?" Um, and then Des come over and Des, I don't know if you, you must, you, yeah, yeah, I know Des. Yeah. Um, so Des has got this sort of charm and realness and yeah. Des has said to me, he went, come in here and do an audition. And I said, all right, I'll do it, but I want a fiver. <laughs> um, and Des, I remember he laughed and he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, if you're having some of my time, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with these videos. I said, I want some money. I want some money for your time, for my time. Um, and he found that cheek, you know, he admired the cheek and. And whatnot, yeah, and I got I my mean, fiver and did my audition. Um, and then I remember he got my mum's phone number, um, and then he rang my mum saying, "Can we do? Will Tom Tomo come in and do another interview?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll come in and do another interview, but I want a tenner this time." <laughs> it's going up. So it's going up. <laughs> and then I remember, so I went in and did that, and I think Joe Hartley came down. And I did a bit of improvisation with Joe Hartley at the Space Project. Who obviously plays your mum. Who obviously plays my mum. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I think he rang me mum again and said, will Thomas come to Nottingham to meet Shane Meadows? And I said, fucking Shane Meadows? He said, yeah, well, I'll come, but I, like, I want a PlayStation game, I think it was. So I got my PlayStation game for meeting Shane Meadows, or 15 quid or right. something like that. And so on and so on. And by this time, by the end of it, I was like, 
everything. I said, oh, you know, I, if you want to get in touch with me, I said, I ain't got a phone, Shane. You're going to have to get me a phone. Bought me a phone. <laughs> You're uh, basically holding them to ransom before just, you oh, got yeah. the job. Because I thought to myself, I'm just Tomo from Grimsby, like, never going to get put in a film. It's never going to happen. That's not what happens. Um, and then, yeah, and I it just, it was such a bizarre experience. And I remember the first time I put my costume on, you know, the big flares and the stupid jumper and... Um, we was at the Broadway Cinema in Nottingham, um, and I put on oh, no, it was the skinhead gear. So I had my Doc Martens, my boots, um, my braces, and my um, Ben Sherman. And it's a nice cinema, that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, so I went there, and um, Joe Thompson, the costume lady, said, "Oh, you're going to have to go around to the cinema and show everyone." And I went, "Nah, I'm not going out dressed like this. Fuck <laughs> that. It's not happening." And Shane, uh, Stephen Graham had to give me twenty quid to to go out in my costume to show everyone. <laughs> so it was just, I was just out to make money. I just wanted money, the money, money, money. Um, from, you know, even when I was making the film, like, get my per diems, I was like, so I'm getting 150 quid for what? For nothing? Like, yeah, fucking buzzing. <laughs> so I remember just getting the money, like, and that's all I was really interested in. Um, but then by the end of the film, I realised that it was, you know, these people that I'd met was then going to be my family. And they, they still are, you know, like, yeah. it's 11, nearly 11 years on. You know, I've just been groomsman at Andrew Ellis's wedding, who plays Gadget, which is like, it was the most beautiful thing. You know, you sort of sit and you think, people who you work with, you say, oh yeah, we'll stay in touch. And, you know, sometimes like if you're in London, you know, you'll ping a text over or whatever. Whereas, you know, we're actually family friends, yeah. me and all the gang. Because sometimes with the best will in the world, you can, you can, you forge these relationships. You're forced to forge these relationships on a, on a film or a mm. set so quickly that you've yeah. got to come together and be whatever, be this family or be a partner or married, and then all of a sudden it does tend to fall away at yeah. times. Yeah, it does. Of course, especially if you don't live in London as well. Like, yeah. And I think what, what I find is if you're filming in London, that a lot of the times, like I've just been working with Daniel Mays, who's, who's amazing, um, Adil Akhtar, who's also amazing, but... You find that when you're away, like if you're filming in Sheffield, everyone's in a hotel. So at the end of the night, at the end of your filming day, like, oh, well, you go out and socialise. Whereas in London, it's quite a lonely place. Because Daniel Mays has got his own family, Adil's yeah. got his own family. And I was staying down here and it was just like, because you know, they're all doing your family things. Yeah, of course. It's a bit bizarre working down in London. But, you know, having said that, I think, you know, you make lifelong friends with people that you meet. Um, you know, Dan, Danny Mays is a lovely, lovely bloke. Um, oh, he's brilliant. I think we're going. I think we're going to remain friends, definitely. Well, the less said of him, what he's like as a flatmate, the better. You know, he used oh, to be my flatmate. Oh, really? Did he? Years ago, when we were single oh, boys. God, I can't imagine you two sleeping together. I, I'll tell you that when Jesus. the podcast isn't rolling, <laughs> it's, it's not fit for human consumption. Um, do, do you think? Did you get a real taste for it whilst you were filming? This is England. Did you? Did you feel that you were? sort of learning the basics and did you get a, a bit of a taste for it or did you think I'm going to do this film it's just going to be a one-off and then I'm going to go back to doing what I do yeah or- well that's what it was but Shane and Mark the, the, Shane Meadows the director Mark Herbert the producer and Stephen and Joe Hartley who played my mum they all made my mum a promise that that was not going to be the case that Tom I would make this film he'd go back to Grimsby and, and it'd be the end of it and they made my mum... And, you know, Stephen's one of the most beautiful men I've ever met. And yeah. he, I've got so much time for him and his family. Um, you know, he, he made this promise to my mum where he wouldn't allow me to just go back and get back into what I was doing, you know, getting in trouble with the police and all things like that. And 
straight away, Stephen went straight on to another job called The Innocence Project, straight off the back of This Is England. Um, and Stephen got me a part in that just, like, straight away. And that was the sort of, like... Because This Is England, when we was filming it, it, it didn't feel like we was making a film. It was just, like, buzzing around. We was all having a laugh. We was all kids. And, it, you know, it was brilliant. But then when we'd made The Innocence Project, it was like, I wasn't... I didn't... I wasn't Sean, you know. I had to be someone else and I had to learn my lines. And I remember I was sitting in the Aurora Hotel in Manchester, or the Aurora, regardless, with my stepmom. And my stepmom was like, Tomo, you, you've got you've got these lines to learn for tomorrow. I remember bouncing from bed to bed, going, ah, fuck the lines! And just like, let's go for a Chinese, let's go do this! And just like, now you've got to do these lines, you know. When we get yeah. on set tomorrow, the other actors are going to... Because obviously when we did This Is England, it was all improvised. There's no lines. Didn't have to read a script or anything. Um, so yeah, my stepmom's like, "You've got to do this. You've got to learn these lines. Come on, do them with me." And it, yeah, I remember getting on set on the first day of the Innocence Project, and it was just like, "Fucking hell, this is different." Isn't and did it? you knuckle down? Did you learn? Got them all. Yeah, I got them all down. Um, and yeah, that was sort of. I was quite lucky that I was able to do it easily. Uh, you know, it, it was something that I've always found quite easy. Learning lines as long preparing. Obviously, if I've got someone helping me, yeah, um, which I'm lucky that my missus does it with me now. Uh, but yeah, there's some of that. It's luckily just sort of took to from a really young age, learning lines and getting up early, realizing you can't just pull a sickie like if you was working in a pub, yeah. Um, which <laughs> not for lack of trying. I tried that a lot on This Is England, <laughs> waking up and going, I'm not going to work. I'm not very well. Um, but yeah, it was it was a welcoming into the real world from a young age. Um, and I sort of, yeah, I just become this little bloke from the age of fourteen. You know, I was going out and I, I wasn't relying on anyone for anything. I could do my own thing. I could go out and, you know, I, I had a li- little bit of money in my pocket. You know, if I wanted to go back buy some trainers and things, you know. So I sort of, I had this sort of wiseness for, before I did this is England. Anyway, I was like a little. I've always been wise and I've been good at reading people and. I've always been good at making a couple of quid, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did you ever get the thought of, oh, maybe I should go a traditional route, maybe I should go and train at drama school, or was that ever, was that, did that ever come into your mind at all? No. Um, I didn't have time, really. From right. 13, I literally spent hardly any time at home. Because um, I went straight out, like I said, just said before, I did Innocence Project with Stephen, then I went straight on to do something else and straight on to do something else. And luckily, you know, I was working, work, work, work until the age of like 18. And then I was old enough to buy beer and then everything just went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just asking for any work. No, um, I just didn't have time, really. So I was working from 13 to, well, still now, you know, I'm looking. But, but did you feel today. that you were getting the training that you wanted? Yeah. Did you feel that you were learning off other, because the great thing is I was, talking to um, Michael Smiley on, on another episode and we both agreed that one of the great things is that you carry on learning from job to job from different directors yeah. and different actors and that, that's the incredible thing about what we do that's one of the high points there's a lot of low points as well which I'm sure we'll come to do you, do you find that though? yeah do you find that- I mean every single day you, you'll always you'll work with people and I'm sure even at your age and Michael's age I'm only 41 yeah, that's well, not <laughs> <laughs> well you know what I mean you'll work with someone who will just do something really little or that, God, yeah. and you can pick it up and yeah. Stephen was one for that like you can watch Stephen and just be in awe like Stephen Graham can just do this thing where he's just got this look mm. when, it, when he's playing combo for This Is England like the most 
scariest thing. I don't know what it is, but you, you're always learning things, and you know you'll pick little things up from from any job that you do. I think you'll walk away. You know, I've been lucky enough to to work with some brilliant people recently, and my dad said, you know, just watch, just yeah. watch them, and you'll learn so much. That's a brilliant bit of advice. Yeah, like. You know, I was working with Rob Brydon and Jim Carter recently, who've been in the game a very long time. And yeah, like my dad said, he said, when, you, when you're not doing a scene or when you've got a bit of time off, don't just toss it off. Go and watch, go and learn, because you can learn so much from people like that. Um, and I did. You know, it's brilliant to watch how different people work. Yeah. Yeah. You look, you, I think you're always learning. So in a way, you were training from the age of 13 anyway, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, I suppose in but a way, right yeah. right on the job with, yeah. with, some of, with some of the most fantastic people there. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what better way to, to learn than to be doing it? I, I'll never forget Danielle Watson, who played Trev in This Is England brilliantly, amazing. Um, she was doing drama school when we were shooting 86, I think it was, the right. TV series. And it was very close to not letting her do the series. Why? Um, because she was doing drama school and they, let her, they was not going to let her go away to do it. And I was just thinking, obviously never having done that, I never heard anything like it because I'd not been in the industry. I just thought, so she's going to be in London doing drama school, which is probably writing about other things, whereas you could be in Sheffield working with one of the best directors, if not the best director in the country, yeah. with some of the best actors in the, in the world, uh-huh. Stephen Graham and, you know. And I, I just couldn't understand it that they wasn't, this close to not letting her come away and make the film, the series. And it just, it was bizarre how, how drama schools work. And Did that leave a bit of a bad taste in your mouth? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I, it's something that I'll never forget. Just thinking how bizarre it was, thinking there's no better way of learning than on the job. Like, it's like learning to swim. You know, throw yourself in at the deep end. Yeah. You know, you'll learn. You know, it's, it, yeah, I think it's just a bit, it was a bit bizarre. That, the story always stuck with me with Danielle saying that she might not have been able to do it. And you know, it's a great thing. It's like, a bit like these podcasts. Every episode's different and because everybody's journey is different. Different, yeah. Um, just going back to talking about London, have you ever felt any pressure to move? Because obviously you still live in Grimsby. Yeah. Have you ever felt any pressure to move to London? Not so much pressure. Um, I think I've got too much at home. Um, I mean, me and Charlotte who's my fiance we've been together god seven years now right. more than seven we've spoke about it um and she said you know for me if it, if it got to the point where i had to you know we, we could rent our house out and we could move to london but we're just so happy down in grimsby we've got such a good life you know because of the pri- the house pricing we've got a lovely little house we can afford to go on holiday we mm. can afford you know if people say let's go out for a meal we can afford to do it because if we lived in London, you know, I think I'd probably have to take up a, a, a normal job, let's say. Um, she'd be working stupid hours, I think we'd just be stressed. And I just, uh, we, I don't know, I, I don't think you can fix what's not broke. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of course. We, we, there's no point, we don't need to. Need, is, and, but you don't need to anyway yeah. for, for what we do. Not now, self-tapes. Really. Yeah. Just self-taping. You know, I still travel up to London a lot and recently, to be fair... I've just been making a film called Swimming With Men um, and I was staying in Brixton for six weeks. Right. And I fell in love with Brixton. Like, fell in love with it. I love it. Yeah, it's cool, isn't and, it? And it's the first time in 10, nearly 11 years of coming up to London, it's the first time I've actually thought, do you know what? I can actually live here. Um, but again, we, 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 want, we wouldn't want to ruin it. I mean, 
we're in such a good place in Grimsby, you know, in our personal lives, you know, the relationship's going great. Couldn't be happier, so we wouldn't want to jeopardise that by that, yeah. coming to London and be stressed over money and yeah. becoming a slave to the city. Just for the sake of yeah. the job where it, actually you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. I find more and more people are moving out anyway yeah. nowadays. Yeah, you moved, you moved out to yeah, the Yeah, I moved out yeah. about, God, over seven years yeah. ago. But uh, fair enough, I'd been here since I was 21. God, 40 so, odd years then. Uh, oh no, God! I'm, I'm t- <laughs> no, I, I uh, no, graduated at 21, so I was here from 18, 18 to. So you did good, nearly 20 years. Yeah, yeah, 15, yeah. 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you train, you, you know, you're training on the job, and it's all going well. Yeah. How do you cope when it ain't going well? Because um, the, the great thing is, you know, people will probably look at you and think, oh, there's, there's Thomas Turgus, oh, he's probably always working. But that isn't necessarily no. the case, is it? No. Um, well, I went, again, like, like I was saying, from 13 to 18, I never really see any of my mates because I was away a lot. Um, and you go through the phase, and I'm sure you've had it, you go through the phase where you, you know you get some people who just want to be your mate because you're on the TV or you do this or you do that. And say, from young age, I've always been wise, and I know you can read people straight away. I'm good at reading people. But um, so I went from 13 to 18, I was away all the time. Never really got to see me mates. So I got turned to 18, um, and I just sort of thought, you know, I'm going to have a bit of time to myself. Like, I'm going to go go to the pub and just do these things. I'm going to go on lads' holidays. I'm going to go to Ibiza. I'm going to do these things that 18 year olds do because I've not done what. 14, 15, 16, 17. I never didn't really get to do any of that. Do you feel you missed those years? Yeah, well, not missed them. Missed... I don't know. I didn't miss out because I was doing my own thing. I was you know, on set with some of the best people, meeting some brilliant people, were doing scouting but for boys with Susan, your wife. Yeah. You know, so brilliant, you know, making some really good things. So I didn't miss out in any way. But, yeah, I got to 18 and I just thought... It sort of started, actually, when I was 17, working with Susan. I was having a few good piss-ups when we was working. Don't blame her. No, it's, <laughs> it's Susan's fault. But no, I turned 18. That's and, my um, line. I used that one. It was always Susan's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but I turned 18, and I sort of... It's a bit of a... It's not a regret, but I sort of think, if I'd have carried on working as hard as I did when I was younger, where could I be now? Instead, I just went to the pub, went to Ibiza went to Magaluf, went to Bennett, did all that stuff that... But you were 18, yeah. that's probably what you were supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was t- up to about 2021. 20, I, was, I was turning up to auditions, not prepared. I've literally just been speaking about this this morning with Laura, my voice agent, saying that there was times when I'd turn up to auditions and I'd have the paper in front of me, and it's probably the second time I've read it, and there was times when the, the, the casting people were saying... Can you put your chin up a bit? Can, you know, just reading from the paper. Right. And I cringe really bad at that now. I think, God, because now I'd, I wouldn't go into an audition if I wasn't prepared. Yeah. And it's you, I won't ever go into an audition now if I don't know it off book. There's and just no point, is yeah. there? Because it just, all it just reflects badly on yourself. And it did badly, yeah. and it really, really did. And you know, I was turning up. It, sometimes not even turning up to auditions, and give myself a bit of a bad name in the, it, to casting directors. So now it got to sort of 23, 24, and I am now trying to build that back up. 
Did yeah. somebody pull you aside and have a word about that, mate? Or did, was that was that something you did within it yourself? Was, it, it was not so much for work why I stopped boozing and partying like I did. Because it was more Charlotte, my fiance. I remember once because I was going out for days, and the only time I'd ring her is when I wanted something. Um, and we'd been together sort of six months a year, and you know, and she battled and battled and battled to keep our relationship alive. And if it weren't for her doing what she did when we was younger, like. We won't be together now. God knows, God knows if I'd still even be here, you know. Because she just said to me, she said, you can do that and you can, you can be around these people who aren't really your friends, you know. They're just there because of, you know, you've got money and, you, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that. But if that's the tri- life you want to go down, if that's what you want to do, then I'm going to go. And I remember that she said that to me and I thought, I can't, I'm not going to let her go because no. she's... I don't know if you've ever met. Have you met Charlotte? I, I haven't met her. No. She's she's like hands down one of the most amazing people you'll ever meet. Um, and yeah, I was scared that she was going to walk away, and that sort of made me think, oh God, you know, I'll I'll sort of come away from all that, and I'll avoid these people for a bit, and I'll you know I'll settle down with Charlotte, and that's when we started working hard with the scripts. We started. She said, right, you've got an audition. Right, well, don't go out. We'll sit at because we still lived at home then. We still lived with, with my stepmom and she lived at hers. She'd be like, "Well, my, you know, we'll go to my house. We'll sit in the back room at my mum's. We'll learn this. We'll do this. You'll get this train. Then you get on that tube to this station. Then you go and do this." And she just sorted my life out like massively. And you know, I think my dad got to the point where he, he was telling me, you know, go out and have fun, but don't be a fucking idiot. And there was only so many times you can say that to me. And it, I didn't want really taking it in. Yeah. You know, and it, it, you sort of... And he says that to me now as good mates. He said, you've got to do, make your own mistakes in life. Because it'll get to the point where it'll just make you want to do it more when people are getting at you and saying, don't do this, don't do that. And I just thought, do you know what? Like, I'll, I'll stop drinking and boozing and doing whatever when I want to do it. And it got to that point where I just woke up one day and just thought, like, I'm not that bothered about it anymore. And off my own back, you know, now, like, it's very rare that I'll drink in a week, and and I enjoy it now, I enjoy going, you know, going to these events and and being, like, a bit more respectable and not just being pissed up and... And also being being there, you can be physically there, but not, but, but not there yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it was a weird thing, I think, you, I think you've, got, you've got to grow up by yourself, haven't you? Otherwise, you know, people are just going to keep hassling you and, yeah... But I'd say I owe a lot of it to Charlotte. She sorted me out big time. And even now, like, I'd be fucked without her. You know, she's always printing me scripts off for me and highlighting them. And, but know. it sounds like you've, from feeling that you've had, you didn't have much support when you were quite young to having, you know, your mum and your, your stepdad and your, your dad and your stepmom mm. and Charlotte, you've had great support around you. Yeah. And also... That's at home, and also in the industry, you've had people like Shane, Stephen, and they've you've had your training, you've had your support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do owe a lot to the people who, who I've worked with because I I get carried away easily on you know on anything, you know, like I said with the boozing, and I'm not not going to sit here and say that I was an alcoholic because I was far from that. I was just a young kid having fun. And, yeah, and you know, I was I was knocking around with my mates, and uh, you know, I was just enjoying life. Um, but and yeah, it just got to the point where, I, and I realised that I've got an opportunity, and and you and don't want to blow it. Yeah, and yeah. like the last sort of year, it's not been a coincidence why I've 
been working really hard and you know we can afford to get married and we you know I passed my driving test and and it's not a coincidence why that's happened it's because I've sort of curved the going out on a Tuesday night for no reason you know I've curved all that and yeah. if I've got a script if I've planned to go out on a Friday night but I get a script on Thursday for an audition on Monday that Friday night out won't happen I'll yeah. just stay in or if I do I'll have a couple then go home and then you know whereas before I'd have just been like nah bollocks this night out's planned so you're just prioritising yeah. I saw auditions as work I saw it as a chore yeah when Troy, I'd get an email from Troy come agent and I'd be like good I've got to go to London whereas now I'm like great I've got buzzing, to go to London something to do yeah you know I can I, I just had an audition for a film um, that was about um, the the US Marines so for three days, I've just been sitting and watching and hammering like old, like war films and researching, and it's been brilliant. And like speaking to my, a lot of my friends who have been away on tours in Afghan and, and Iraq, and it's been brilliant. Like I enjoy getting into it now. I like I love it. And I say it's not by coincidence that it's work's going a lot better now. It's because I met up with Troy Comage and, and I said to him, I realised that I've been a shit over the last couple of years. I was looking for other people to blame. It was no one else's fault but my own. But now I'll give it my 100% if you give it your 100%. And, you know, and we, we've got a great relationship now, Troika. I mean, you're with Troika as well, aren't you? Yeah. And they're, they're brilliant. They're amazing. They're they a are. brilliant agency. Yeah. And I, I fucked them around a lot. Um, and they know that. And I know that they know that. You know, it's sort of... But it got to that point now where we've got a brilliant relationship. And I think we're working out to sort of rebuilding. Because, I, you know, I, I smashed me fucking... Chances with a sledgehammer when I say when I was going out and turning up to auditions, still pissed, smashed all that, and then now we're sort of rebuilding, and I think it's going well. But you've got your head screwed on, Tom, yeah. and you know so. you've always said that you're wise before your time. Yeah, yeah. And you're learning from your own mistakes. Yeah, I think that's the best way, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, definitely. Tomo, thank you so much. That was brilliant. Oh, thank you very much, mate. Well, that was it. Thomas Turgos, what a brilliant guy. Um, I honestly could have sat down and had another few cups of tea with him um, and had a really good chat, but I think we did. I think we had a really, really good chat. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you enjoyed it, let us know. Uh, You can follow us uh, at Two Shot Pod on Twitter. The same for Instagram, the Two Shot Podcast on Facebook. You can Twitter me if you want at C Parks nineteen seventy six. Our email is Two Shot Pod at gmail dot com. I've remembered it this week. Uh, I also want to thank theSplicingBlock.com. dot Pop on there, have a look what they do. They're not sponsors. We don't have a sponsor. Hint, hint, if you want to be a sponsor, drop us an email. Drop us an email anyway, or a Twitter. Uh, let us know at Twitter. How old am I? At Twitter. Cut that out. Drop us a line on the uh, email. Uh, send us a message on Twitter. Let us know what you think. You can rate us on iTunes. Five stars only, please. Say nice things, okay? There's enough hate in the world. I will see you next week. This was the Two Shot Podcast, and I've been Craig Parkinson, and I'll carry on trying to be till next week. See ya. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>